Junkies, or Junkie, singular. Um, I'm about to review, and in fact, Junkie is such an apt word for the documentary I'm about to review. Uh, we're about to review the amazing Jonathan documentary. Um, and one of the strap lines or taglines for this documentary, which I think is very, 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 very funny, is meth, magic and mayhem. Meth, magic and mayhem. This is a documentary about a chap called Jonathan Sellis. And he's also known, a.k.a., as the amazing Jonathan, who's a magician slash stand-up comedian. And the really weird thing is, is that there's a lot of, obviously, archive footage in here of his performance uh, performances years back. Um, I remember seeing him either on something like Friday Night Live or, you know, one of our incarnations of Saturday Night Live. I've seen him on some alternative comedy show. And he's incredibly anarchic, incredibly crazy. I mean, a good grab for him is he's like Tommy Cooper passed through uh, the young ones. He's kind of like Tommy Cooper on acid. Tommy Cooper on meth, crack, you name it. Every conceivable drug, he's it. And this is a documentary about his life, but about his life through the lens of him having been essentially diagnosed in 2014 with a fatal illness surrounding his heart. And so, in a sense, this is a film that from the get-go, you know, and having been involved in documentary filmmaking, not necessarily about people who are dying, but certainly when you're making films about people who have conditions or illnesses or what have you, there's a terrible moral um, tug-of-war that happens for the filmmaker between knowing that if anything, God forbid, were to go wrong for this contributor, that, in a sense, is what's going to make the film more of a headlining film, if you know what I mean. So it's not that you're willing anything to happen, but that you, you would be lying if you didn't have parked at the back of your mind an awareness that, God forbid, the worst to happen here uh, is going to be the best thing that could happen for this film. In that sense, this film, what's most interesting about this documentary, and I don't know where you can catch it, it might come up on Netflix, I think it might come, become available on the streaming services, I, we caught it at the cinema. It's one of those DIY documentaries that has a clever conceit at the heart of it. Uh, and the problem for me as a documentary filmmaker myself is that whenever you see these films, you're, you're constantly looking for the giveaway signs of where the producer has sort of massaged or managed what appears to be uh, reality playing out in front of you, what appears to be an ever more sort of twisty, turny plot that's more unbelievable with every twist, every twist and turn it takes, that you, you know, as a producer or as a, as a, as a documentary filmmaker, you, you're, you're tending to kind of look out for those moments where you think, hang on a minute, you're stretching that, or was that a little bit staged? Was that a little bit pushed? Was that a little bit massaged? So I was very hypersensitive to sort of picking up those moments in this film. It's not particularly long. Uh, it's directed by a chap called Ben Berman, and essentially, he's making the story of this amazing Jonathan. Uh, you know, this was his life, this is his life now, and this is his illness. Um, he, Jonathan Sellers, the amazing Jonathan, uh, makes no uh, secret of the fact that he likes to smoke meth and is a, is a bit of a drug addict. He'll take anything, has taken everything, cocaine, you name it, everything. Um, he has a long-suffering wife who appears in some of the scenes. Um, and so we witness Ben Berman getting so close to this character, but not essentially close enough to feel that you're going to get a really revealing or intimate portrait. The other interesting detail and my mother saw this film as well and as she said she didn't like the amazing Jonathan Jonathan Sellers and I said well I don't think you're meant to like him you're not meant to like him he's clearly a sort of I don't know he's a he's a harsh angular strange all the things that a drug addict is so self-involved self-indulgent selfish 
willing to get the high, doesn't really care how it impacts on his long-suffering wife, who actually I thought was quite a heartbreaking presence within this, this film. And so you've got Ben Berman trying to get as close, as close, as close, and then it becomes apparent. And this is where I do think Ben Berman uh, sort of twists us in a very sort of clever way, really. Ben Berman discovers, whilst he's making this documentary, that there is another crew making a similar documentary about the amazing Jonathan. Uh, but this crew has the uh, sort of credentials of having... Uh, already, you know, the producer of that, the second film, has the credentials of having already made the Oscar-winning Man on Wire and uh, Searching for Sugarman, two documentaries that, that were multi-award winning. And so... The film, this documentary, becomes a documentary about making documentaries in an incredibly competitive, uh, highly self-aware world in which anyone who has a story to tell is very aware, especially people in the public eye, like this amazing Jonathan character, you know, everyone's very aware of the sort of multimedia potential and uh, lucrative nature of their stories. So, you know, in this day and age, to have a, a really unique and compelling personal story to tell is to have something that's incredibly valuable and something you can sell to a number of places or certainly capitalise on in some way in terms of whether it's your profile or your reputation or anything like that. Um, and this film really kind of goes to the heart of that. And in a sense, what I think is most interesting about this film, I mean, as a documentary, yeah, it takes us through twists and turns. Yes, it's kind of funny. It's very funny. I mean, the subject matter, him, he is very funny. Jonathan is very funny, although he is utterly unlikable, clearly an opportunist, um, very thoughtless about those closest to him. And yet, all the way through this, you're wondering whether the entire story of his... Uh, likely death or imminent death is a total fabrication because of course by the time the film has been received by us uh, gone into edit and what have you it's four years later and he's still alive you know so it's it's a very sort of interesting film less for what's in it but more for what it kind of intellectually throws up for you because it makes you wonder what's the truth when people are telling stories about themselves what's the truth how are people how far are people willing to go in order to lie or stretch the truth or be loose with the fact in order to, I don't know, just be in the public eye. And yet the weird thing with this film is that once the director, Ben Berman, finds that there's one crew filming him, um, he then discovers there's a third and then a fourth. And so there are these countless crews all circling around Ben Berman. And you, can't, you then start to wonder whether this entire sort of narrative of various crews filming him isn't in fact some other sick joke created by Jonathan Sellers. It, it did make me think about that period when Joachim Phoenix, do you remember? He was pretending to be, or he was inhabiting the role of a hip hop artist or something like that. Um, and so I wondered whether this was the, the entire process of what Ben Berman, the director, was being put through was he was the butt of an incredibly elaborate joke on behalf of Jonathan Zeller's The Amazing Jonathan. I mean, there are some great highlights in this. There are great quirky moments that you could probably only get in an American documentary. Things like one of the guys that's making one of the other films that isn't part of the Man on Wire. So you've got the Man on Wire, you've got the Oscar-connected documentary crew and then you've got our director Ben Berman and then around that there's a couple of other filmmakers and one of them is a chap who ends up we discover uh, to to be a chainsaw juggling act and and so you have these moments of sort of surreal very Louis Theroux-esque kind of 
uh, bizarre, almost David Lynchian, too strange to be true, stranger than fiction, all that sort of stuff starts to creep in. And so the boundaries of, you know, interestingly, we saw it with Kiki and she thought parts of it were acted. And I know what she means, because the whole thing had a sort of self-awareness and a, and a self-consciousness, which it had to have, because in a sense... Um, ben Berman, the director, had little choice, if you accept the narrative that he's given us, he had little choice but to turn the camera on himself. And that's precisely what he did. So this film, in the second half, in a sense, becomes a film about Ben Berman's attempts to successfully complete on this film and gain some kind of, I don't know, sort of exclusivity in his access to Jonathan, uh, whilst these other crews are kind of, you know, uh, fishing around, trying, trying to get their films too. Um, and it goes through a sort of all sorts of t twists and turns and a labyrinthine sort of process of Ben Berman, our director, eventually at some point in this film, sitting in front of the actual producer of the documentaries Man on Wire and Searching for Sugar Man um, and saying to him that this has been happening, someone's been using his name to promote, a, you know, a crew in order to get access and that uh, would he actually, this the producer of Man on Wire, would he, would he mind actually producing this film? In which case, this film that we're watching by Ben Berman becomes the very film that Jonathan Sellers lied about being made by a crew that had produced Man on Wire and Searching for Sugarman. Do you get me? So it becomes incredibly meta. It's an incredibly sort of riffing, in-jokey type thing. And going back to this idea, what it did make me think about it, it reminded me of that there is a mad... When we're, when we're researching ideas for television documentaries or access to certain institutions, you know, like whether it be places, I don't know, as simple as Harrods or the Army or institutions, Butlins, you know, holiday camps, you know, sort of big names, but you need to access the institution. Or when you're trying to get access to a celebrity or a star or someone who's got a personal story to tell. There is often a mad dash of you and countless other producers all rushing towards it. I mean, I spent years doing that, winning some, losing most. That's why I turned my back on that side of it, because it, to be honest with you, it's, it's a thankless task if it's the first one that gets there. And even if you get there, I've had the situation where you're making a documentary or you're making a docu-soap, which we were doing, and there's another crew making the, making the same thing, or they've been promised to make the same thing. And you end up then having to sort of be really firm with your control. It's, it's a bloody nightmare. It leaves the filmmaker in a state of absolute, almost schizophrenic madness. And in a sense, I thought that was the strength of this film. Was For me, personally, it was very indulgent to watch another director going through the hell. You know, it's the ludicrous lens. We, we see Ben Berman, the director's father and mother, commenting on what's he going to do, how's he going to make this work. Oh, my God, what's your film like versus their film? And then you have this remarkable moment where Ben Berman actually sits the amazing Jonathan down. And so, for, really, for the last 40 minutes of this film, certainly 30 minutes of this film, the amazing Jonathan is very much out of shot. He's sort of like in the background. He can't get access to him. And so you have this amazing scene where um, Ben Berman uh, challenges Jonathan and sort of says, you know, are you kind of is questioning whether he's being real about his illness? And Jonathan gets insulted and walks off. And we have to assume he's still telling the truth. But I think we're, you know, I, I was left thinking he could still be lying. But I was also left thinking, Ben Berman, how much of what you've shown us is really true some really compelling sequences one such being where the director ben berman agrees to smoke meth with uh, jonathan so scenes like that there are some remarkable standout moments but the problem i had with all of it if i'm honest was i couldn't help but feel 
that Ben Berman overplayed the struggles that he was having. And so that symmetrical neatness, in a sense, made me smell as much of a rat with Ben Berman as it did with uh, the amazing Jonathan Sellers himself. Um, I years ago made a documentary where the whole point of the documentary series, I made three of them, the whole point of the documentary series was to profile people uh, taking part in extraordinary races around the world. And of course, the whole film was about them in the race. And I had one contributor who didn't make it into the team and didn't do the race. And I remember having to phone the office and say to them, look, I've got, I've got a non-film here, but I think it could be the strongest film in the series because it's about him not making it. And so we ran it and it did really well. It was one of the sort of most successful in the series because it bucked the trend. And in many ways, I think this documentary is purchase, if you like, on the indie circuit and in the festival circuit is the fact that it's a sort of non-documentary. I mean, essentially, it doesn't tell us anything about its subject that we didn't already know. Um, it gets us so close, but not that close that we reveal anything else. And it reveals to us simply the fact that, you know, there's this sort of circle of uh, deceit and magic and meth and mayhem around the centre of this character. So it never actually pins the its subject matter down. And that's the point of it. It's a sort of non-documentary about not being able to make a documentary. And in the process, it's made a documentary about not making a documentary. And so it's like me not making a film about not making a film because I can't make a film. And the, the not being able to make the film is the film that I'm going to make. Do you get me?